Welcome to the NS North podcast. My name is Philippe Casgrain, and I'm joined tonight by my co-hosts, Adrienne Marshall and Dan Byers. How are you, Adrienne? I'm great, thanks. Yourself? Good. And you, Dan? I'm good. Thanks for asking. For today's episode, we have one of our speakers, Janie Clayton, joining us. How are you, Janie? Doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Thumbs up all around. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you're from, what you do? Okay, um, I am from Madison, Wisconsin. I work for Black Pixel as a software developer. Um, I originally went to school for journalism and video editing and audio engineering, and then I figured out that there was absolutely no way for me to make money doing those things. I decided I needed to find something useful to learn, and so um, I was either going to go to law school or I was going to learn programming, but we had a really good uh, community college uh, programming course at uh, the local college MATC, and it was, I think, $100 a credit versus like $80,000 to go to law school. And I kind of did the math in my head and one of those seemed a little bit better than the others. And um, originally I kind of got into it thinking I was going to get a boring job at the government and like learn Java and just kind of, you know, do my, put in my, my nine to five and then go off and do something else. But then um, I really got into core audio and OpenGL and I found out all of the really cool user interface stuff that you could do with iOS. And I saw that iOS was becoming a, a bigger thing and that it seemed like a good career move. And so that kind of became my calling and I gave up my life to be a programmer about three years ago. <laughs> there you yet, go. Yet, yet you are a programmer. It's just not the kind of programmer you envisioned. Well, yeah, I, I thought it was just going to be a job. I didn't realize it was going to be like, like a calling. It was going to be like the thing that I dedicated my life to. <laughs> Your passion. Yes. Yeah. It's a craft. So Did you grow so you up got... in Wisconsin? Oh, sorry, Dan. Yes, no, it's, it's funny because like I went into journalism because I thought that that meant that I could like go and move all over the world and like chase storms and go to like you know the, the Middle East or whatever because I wanted to move <laughs> as, as far away. I, I, I wanted to move as far away from my family as humanly possible, and I wound up moving ten miles away. Oh my goodness! It didn't work out. <laughs> Now, like, people are like, oh, do you mind moving to wherever for a job? I'm like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> uh-huh. It's sad. <laughs> but with your kind of job, you actually can because you work remote, right? I do work remote, but it's really cheap to to live where I live. So um, my, my house, I have a two-bedroom house with a fenced-in, um, like, lawn. It's on, like, half an acre of property. I pay $400 a month for this. Oh, my goodness. That's like, I'm talking to people who live out in the Bay Area, and they're, like, paying 10 times as much as I am, and I'm just kind of, and they're making, like, I don't know, maybe 20000 more than I am. I'm just like, no, not doing that. I don't yeah. want, I don't want to have to, you know, drink my reclamated pee because of all of the, all of the droughts and oh, $4,000 a month for an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> and you have something bigger than a broom closet because you have people that are, or sorry, animals that depend on you, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I was like, I wouldn't be able to move out there with both of my dogs. I'd have to leave the, the crazy one behind with my parents. <laughs> like, I'm, not, I'm not totally committed to always living in Wisconsin. I'm just I haven't found anything that makes more sense yet because this is cheap and it's good enough. So why why move? <laughs> Sounds logical. That's right. It's perfectly logical. So uh, I alluded to remote work. I believe you work with uh, Black Pixel. So can you tell us a little bit more about uh, that secretive organization? <laughs> Well, I can't tell you anybody that we work for because I signed NDAs. I know. <laughs> 
Well, um, just it was kind of uh, interesting. Um, I knew about Black Pixel like when I first started getting into um, programming. Like I went to a programming conference and I met Jamie Newberry, who had worked at Black Pixel at the time. And while I was still a student, I met Dan Pasco at one of the conferences that I went to, and he handed me a card and he was like, "I want to hire you." And I'm like, "You don't want to hire me? I don't know anything. I'm a student. I'm stupid. I'm, you, you don't want to hire me." And then like he did wind up hiring me two years later, so it all worked out. <laughs> would, that, would that be second conf in Chicago? No, I never got to go to Second Conf. My last oh, boss, yeah. uh, Brad Larson, spoke at it a couple of times and talked very highly of it. And so I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to it. And he's like, no, it doesn't exist anymore. And I was like, aw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, well, I, I, I met you through Brad, I think, because I, I know Brad very well from these conferences. And uh, that's where you got, I think, uh, some of the interest in OpenGL. So. Well, yeah. Um, so he taught the um, advanced iOS class at Madison Area Technical College, where I was taking programming classes from. And I didn't get to have him, but I heard all these stories about him while I was going to school there about you know how we had like this you know super genius guy that did stuff that Apple engineers told him was impossible and he figured it out and they offered him a job and he said no I'm I'm running a company where I build robots I'm gonna go and do my own robot thing and I just thought that he sounded like the coolest person like ever but I never got to meet him because he like never came back to the school and I had my first programming job and I knew I was gonna get fired because it just wasn't a good fit and I kind of did a, a thought experiment about what I wanted to do with my life and I thought I want to be Brad Larson so I like sent him an email. I'm like, hi, you have no idea who I am. I'm a student at the, the school that you used to teach at. I'm really interested in graphics programming. Can you kind of give me some tips about how I can get into that? And he was very nice and sent back an email, kind of giving me some pointers on how to get started. And then um, like a week after I got fired, he said there was a, a contract position available working with him on a branch of his Molecules app for three months. And I got to work with him and I finally got to meet him. We got to be friends and he hired me on and I got to work for him for a year. It was oh my really, goodness, that's yeah, a full was, circle moment. <laughs> well, it was such an amazing experience because I'd always really wanted to ha have like an apprenticeship where I would go and work for like a master and actually who actually cared about doing really good programming. And I didn't think that was something I would ever get a chance to do. And the fact that I got to do that for a year was just an incredible blessing to me. So is the move to Black Pixel more of that? <laughs> um, There's definitely a very lot, lot of brain power there. Oh, yeah. I just it's been incredible to be able to go and work with people and be able to be like, oh, I read this one book like two years ago that was really interesting. Oh, hey, the person who wrote that actually works here. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> so you say that um, you have a lot of experience with like, OpenGL and, and uh, core audio and whatnot. It, does that uh, passion lie from or uh, originate from your original work or what you wanted to do? Um, with audiovisual stuff back oh, in school? Absolutely. Um, when I went to yeah. school for video editing and audio engineering, like everybody that everybody in the video program wanted to be like a movie director person, and all the people in the audio program wanted to be rap, like rap stars. They all wanted to go and you know have record labels and do stuff. But that wasn't what was interesting to me. To me, the technology was really interesting. I was really interested in how all of the like audio programs worked, how all of the the signal flow worked, how all the electronics worked. I just I was more interested in how the technology worked than I was in actually producing anything with it and when you're going into a creative field if you're not all that interested in creating things it doesn't really do very well for you <laughs> do you have any uh do you have any books that you've worked on in the past or are you are you just most, mostly a voracious uh, reader 
Um, I actually have a couple of books out. Um, one of the things that, so um, I, I mentioned that I had this contract job working with Brad. I was getting to the end of that contract and I had to figure out what I was going to do because I didn't know if I should try to find another contract or if I should try to find a real job. And there was a, a company in town called uh, Scooter Software that actually makes a direct uh, software competitor to one of my, the products at Black Pixel. And they had a... Um, a product available that they needed a QA tester for. It was like an $18 an hour job. I knew all the people who worked there. It was a nice company. And, you know, it's, it seemed nice, but it just kind of didn't seem like what I wanted to do with my life. So um, I was friends with uh, Chris Adamson. Um, he wrote the book on Core Audio, and that was kind of one of the things that got me into iOS programming. And I kind of reached out to him, and I'm like, hey, I think of you as kind of a mentor-type person. Do you think I should try to find another contract job, or should I take this, you know, boring $18 an hour job in town? And he's like, well, you know, I really should be an adult and tell you to take the, the solid, stable job, but I need a co-author on one of my books, and I was kind of hoping that you would do it. <laughs> so I mean, I got done working with Brad on this um, uh, contract job and then started working on this book with Chris. And I signed the contract uh, on the week before WWDC 2014. So I'm going and I'm watching the you know WWDC. I'm like, you know, I'm bored. I'm tired of iOS 7. You know, this is I'm, I'm waiting to see all of these new challenges we're going to get. Oh, Metal looks kind of interesting. This is cool. And then they're like, and just one more thing. It's like, oh, God, what's this going to be? Yeah, we're changing the language. Awesome. I get to write a book about a new programming language that I've never seen. And I'm a beginning programmer. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. The apprentice has become the master. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that was that was definitely 2014 was an interesting year <laughs> so you, you mentioned uh, uh with brad larson like what um what does he do what uh uh brad's company is a company called sonoplot um we not we not we anymore uh, he um has the, the company um creates um robotics that do microscopic fluid printing and i tell people that and they're like what does that mean it's like well um originally um the robots were developed to do biological research to make uh like protein microarrays but then the bottom fell out of that market and they're primarily um going and doing printed electronics now so um we had a bunch of conductive inks that were made by places like xerox where you um had a bunch of like silver that was suspended in this this fluid and you would go and you would print it on like flexible substrates and you could actually run electricity through it and you could print circuits on there and it was just a really interesting thing and that was how he got into um the mac objective c stuff was that originally he tried writing his control software in c plus plus and he just had a lot of trouble with it it wasn't really working he was trying to main he was trying to keep it cross platform so it could be on a bunch of different systems and then he finally uh, about eight years ago um decided to go and just commit to the Mac platform and write the whole thing in Objective-C, and he was able to rewrite it in like six months, and it um, was a lot nicer, it had a better user interface, and that was how he got into um, iOS and Mac programming, was through the work that he was doing at Sonoplot. So he had an iOS app, I guess, and, and also a Mac app. Um, he's had several iOS apps. He had one of the first 500 apps apps, apps out on the store. Um, he had the his molecular modeling application. Um, he just okay. he, he he randomly went to one of the um, sessions at WWDC and saw OpenGL and thought it looked interesting and he learned it in three weeks. <laughs> Very good. If I remember correctly, uh, him telling the story is that uh, when his uh, software would crash, it would actually physically crash the printhead, and that would be a very costly job. So <laughs> yes, we uh, had ha having software that doesn't crash is a lot better. Well, he, he called it the ten thousand dollar bug. <laughs> <laughs> So could you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do in the iOS or Mac community? 
Um, as we established, I, I moved on from working for Brad, and I'm now working at Black Pixel as a contractor. Um, I'd done so much stuff over the last couple of years that I kind of had a slight uh, depressive episode uh, a couple of months ago. Um, I was told that I needed to kind of cut back on the side projects that I was doing for a couple of months to kind of uh, regain my mental health and my equilibrium. And so um, I've been kind of taking it easy for the last couple of months, but I just I have a lot of things that I really have wanted to do that I just haven't made time for because... I've had so many opportunities that have come my way. I got to be the team lead for the Swift tutorial team at Ray Wenderlich's site. I got to work for Black Pixel. I got to work on all of these books. I get all of these conference talks. And these are really awesome things that I feel blessed to be able to do. But that means that I don't have time to write my own app. It means that I don't have time to just sit down and play with my beloved OpenGL and Metal programming. I haven't had a chance to do audio programming in a while because all of my mental energy is consumed with my job and my books and, you know, the podcast and all the other things that I've been doing. And so one thing I'm really trying to do this year is just really kind of cut back on everything. I just, I, I feel blessed with all of the opportunities that I've had, but I just really would like to spend some time on my own doing something that I love and have a learning experience that I haven't had yet. Yeah, it can get to be quite overwhelming, can't it? <laughs> I feel really bad because yeah. I'll talk. I talk to people that I went to school with who, are like, one of them works in a, like the the grocery store, and he's like, "Oh, I can't find a job." And you know, I spend all day coding. I'm like, "You lucky bastard! I wish I could spend all day coding." Everybody keeps wanting <laughs> to pay me money to code for them, and I don't want to code for anybody. I want to code for me. <laughs> so I guess one way to to look at the answer is you you were doing a lot in the community. Now you're just taking it a little bit easier. Yeah. Just just a little bit easier. Just just kind of stepping back and not having it be all consuming. Just just partially consuming. I mean, clearly, I'm still doing conferences. I have uh, two that I'm speaking at in March. I'm speaking at Ennis North. Um, I'm, I'm I'm not leaving the community. I just I'm trying to kind of refocus my efforts instead of um, diluting them on a lot of different things and to just pick one or two things that I really care about and focus on those. That sounds like a, a good balance. Yeah, no, we're, we're really glad then that you picked us. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Now, I have a question for you. I, I was on your website and I was intrigued by what the Red Queen coder meant. And so I saw your, your explanation of it. And I was wondering whether or not you wanted to sort of, I guess, tell our audience what that's about. Because I found it like a particularly moving illusion you made. Oh, absolutely. Um, so... Back when I was doing like audio and video engineering stuff, like I had kind of assumed that nothing was ever going to change. That when I got done with school, that all of the places that I thought I was going to go work at would all be there, and that everything would just kind of continue as it was. And then things radically changed. Um, there was a, another book by um, somebody else called The Black Swan, where it was talking about how you have an unexpected event that completely turns your life upside down. And I wanted to make sure that that never happened to me again. And so when I was going into programming, one of the things that I found out about iOS programming was that it changes constantly like every single year you you have new frameworks you know the language changes that you can't you, you have to keep learning and so I picked my Twitter handle of Red Queen Coder because in um, Alice Through the Looking Glass you have uh, the Red Queen and the Red Queen's kind of hauling Alice through the woods and she's running as fast as she can and Alice is asking her hey where are you trying to get to by running so fast and the Queen said oh I'm not trying to get anywhere I'm just trying to stay in one place if I wanted to get somewhere I'd have to run twice as fast as I've been running and that's how I feel like with um, iOS programming was that I had to learn as fast as I could just to keep up with all of the changes that were happening and that I didn't have enough time to go and learn OpenGL or my audio programming or any of my other stuff because in order to do that, I'd have to learn twice as fast. And that's kind of one reason I've been stepping back a little bit because I've been learning twice as fast for the last three years. <laughs> and you, you can't keep doing that. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
No, that was really, yeah, really well said. And for anyone who wants to go check that out, it's redqueencoder.com. I just, so, I, I just, I talk to a lot of people who just kind of assume that they don't need to learn anything new, and it's like, no, this this industry keeps changing. You have to keep learning. If you're not willing to keep up with everything, then you're going to get left behind. It's just a, it's just the way that things are. When I was uh, working at Corel, one of the things we learned was the half life of uh, knowledge, and uh, half life of knowledge in uh, in anything computer is very, very short. So you have to keep on learning new things just to keep just to be stay in the same place, which is exactly what you were saying. One thing I found interesting now that I've actually been around a little while is that I used to think you had to learn everything and I'm realizing that it's impossible to learn everything because you know we we've got you know the watch we've got the TV we've got we've got every, all the stuff coming on that's just for the iOS platform and that you have to kind of pick and choose and you have to kind of decide that there're just certain things that you're not going to learn and that it is going to be okay because you're learning other things. So when you're not busy learning all of these things and uh, trying to absorb books by osmosis, I assume. So what do you do outside of uh, just development and learning? Oh, um, I guess the biggest thing that I'm doing right now is I'm trying to learn how to cook. Um, I was married for five years and uh, last year my ex-husband and I went through divorce and like I said I've been having some depression issues. And so like um, I now that I work from home, I never have to leave my house. I get my food delivered to me. I have my dogs. Sometimes it's just too exhausting for me to leave the house and go do stuff. So I need to find things to do around here that aren't like really learning intensive because I need to give my brain a rest. And I since... I live out in the middle of nowhere. There aren't a lot of restaurants or grocery stores or other stuff like that. So I need to learn how to feed myself. <laughs> That's just, a very useful skill. Well, it just always bothered me because my, my ex-husband kind of controlled all of the food and he was one that, that did all of the cooking. And I always thought it was this weird, mysterious thing that he was doing because I had no idea what we had in the house. I couldn't put things down on the list. He just, you know, food would appear and it would always be good, but I never knew how it yeah. happened. And so just for the last like year or so, I've been going and I've been trying to, um, accumulate all of the stuff that I need to cook so that I know what I have in my fridge. I've got, you know, my flour so I can make bread and I can do different stuff. And that was just something I'd never done before. I'd never lived by myself until this year. I, this is the first year I'm doing taxes. And I'm like, called the accountant and she's like, you need to bring all your tax information. I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so just... You need like a house visit. <laughs> Uh, so you said you're getting food delivered. Is that like a, ser like a service on the internet, like Amazon, or is it like you're just lo local grocery store? Um, there are a couple of meal subscription services like Blue Apron and the yeah. one that I use, which is Plated. So you go on to Plated and you pay them a certain amount of money each week and they send you three meals worth of ingredients. And I just got my, my box today. And so they'll send you everything that you need for your uh, for your meal, except for they, they won't send like salt and pepper and oil. They just kind of assume that you have that. But they send you all of the vegetables. They send you all of the meat. They send you um, these nice recipe cards that, that tell you how to how to cook everything. It's like having a little like electronics kit, it's, except it's for food. An edible awesome. electronics kit. Yes. So, like, you, 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 you pick out things that you know that you like. You don't have to wonder about, oh, what I'm going to make for dinner because it's just there. And it's just it's so nice to yeah. not have to think about it. <laughs> but they, 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 don't, they don't ship your recipes or anything with it. No, they do ship your recipes. Oh, oh okay. Oh, that's, that's the whole that's package. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, Follow it, the steps. It's, it's great. Like, if, I, if I get stuck on code and I can't think, I'll just I'll get up and I'll start like chopping onions and I'll start cooking stuff just to kind of get my brain moving again. And it's just it's really <laughs> nice to have these convenient things available where you don't have to think about what you want to eat for dinner. Because one of the big problems I had with my ex-husband was, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want? Well, do you want that? No, no. It's just like, oh, just somebody pick something. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a pretty well-known fact that engineers in general really like cooking typically. Like it's, you know, it's, it, it follows very well in line with, you know, their normal 
way of building things. There's a set of guidelines and instructions and there's steps involved and and it just kind of follows suit with the normal engineering process and and development process, right? Yeah, and it's also very modular because um, if you go, like, I I used to play Cooking Mama on, like, my Nintendo DS and, like, (laughs) well, there were only, like, 40 skills that you had to master in Cooking Mama and then you can make, like, 100 different things and that's totally the way (laughs) stuff is with actual cooking. Like, you, like, learning how to chop onions, you you can apply that to chopping carrots and chopping other things and that's kind of the basis of every single thing that you're going to make and so it's very modular so you can kind of mix and match all these different skills that you have to make food so it's like it's like object-oriented programming <laughs> so, so who, who can we say hi to there in the background oh that is olive olive likes to bark um yes i, I <laughs> if i didn't have my dogs here to keep me company i would go insane <laughs> and they're probably thinking the same <laughs> So what what is your so you're you're more of like a main course entree uh, um, uh, cook I guess at the moment or do do you like to do everything like do you like to do you like to bake as well or make desserts or I like to bake and I like to make desserts but I don't have anybody to feed them to like I I recently made uh, a bunch of banana bread and I gave it to my male guy because like he's the only person I interact with and I'm afraid that he thinks that I'm like hitting on him because <laughs> I'm, I'm getting him, like like baked goods and stuff it's just like. <gasps> One of the things that I kind of am upset about is like my mom was a teacher and she always like, you know, she would make pie and she'd take them to the teacher's lounge and everybody would eat, you know, all of the, the cakes and stuff that she would make. And I haven't really had an office job where I can actually make like stuff and bring it in. I might, when I was working for Brad, I like nobody, everybody there was like on diets and nobody would eat sugar and I bring in like, like cheeseburgers and everybody look at me like I was going to die in five years and like 400 <laughs> pounds and like, like I was a, a morally reprehensible person. <laughs> So what's your favorite dish right now that you, uh, that you typically make? Well, that's a good question because there's there's what I tip – because like, I, I don't really get a chance to pick because everything just kind of comes to me. Um, the best thing that I, I liked mm. making most recently was I made a bouffe bourguignon. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan that. of the, 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 the braised meat thing because I, I, I really like my, my meat to kind of like fall apart off the bone and being able to go and have this like slow-cooked like beef that was in all of this red wine and put over uh, like noodles. That was just – that was really awesome. Mm. Took me that like two weeks delicious. to eat, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure your freezer is very well stocked right now. I'd suspect. Oh god, I have got I've got two f- chest freezers in my basement. One of them is full of stuff, and it's like getting to the point where it's overflowing, and I'm just like, I am I am not plugging in the second chest freezer. I'm not going to be that person. I, I live here by myself. I don't need two chest freezers full of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Very well, good. Thanks so much for joining us, Janie. What's the best way for someone to, to get in touch with you? Uh, honestly, the best way to get in touch with me is Twitter. Like, just tw- uh, my, my Twitter handle is Red Queen Coder. Um, just like, you know, drop me a line, say, hey, I listened to your um, talk on NS Brief, or like mention that you listen to my blog. Because, uh, like, I get a lot of people to follow me, but then nobody ever says anything to me. So, like, I don't know who people are until unless they actually go and engage me in conversations. <laughs> well, mm. Twitter is certainly good for that. You can learn more about conference by visiting our website at nsnorth.ca. Also, be sure to check out our new blog as we frequently post news and announcements there and and on our Twitter feed at nsnorth. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time as we meet another great speaker. Dan, how can people get in touch with you? On Twitter is the best way, uh, at underscore Dan Byers, and also on email, dan at nsnorth.ca. And Adrian, how can people get in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Adrian RM, that's A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E-R-M. 
or you can email me at adrian at nsnorth.ca. And I am Philip C. on Twitter or phil at nsnorth.ca. See you soon.